Hello, I'm John J. Thompson, and it seems you have fallen way down the True Tunes rabbit hole. Maybe you've come to the podcast recently and are just working your way back to our first few shows, or who knows, maybe someone sent you a direct link to one of these early outings. All I can say is welcome, thanks for stopping by, Bruce and I are glad you're here, but have some mercy on us please. I'll be honest, when Bruce and I went back and listened to these early episodes, well, let's just say it clearly took us a handful of shows for us to get our feet under us. We knew what we wanted to do, but the way to get there took some tweaking. But the interviews are still valuable, and it's probably worthwhile to have these available as documents of our evolution, so we've trimmed them up a bit, tried to keep them timely, and inserted these little disclaimer introductions to each one. You might still hear a few dated references, some wonky edits, and some rough fades, so have some mercy on us as you dig these earliest episodes out of cold storage and enjoy. Thanks for listening. Oh, and if somehow this is your first exposure to our show, please check out any of our more recent episodes for a more accurate representation. Okay, Bruce, roll it. Cool, cool, okay. Hey, this is Ella Mine. Come join us on the True Tunes podcast. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, I'm John J. Thompson, and this is the True Tunes Podcast. A few weeks ago, several friends, trusted friends, pounced on me all at once saying I needed to stop what I was doing and listen to a brand new artist with a brand new album. Considering the credibility these friends have with me, I acquiesced. I fired up Spotify, found the link, and queued up Dream War by Ella Mine, and I planned to listen while I did some other work. This was not the kind of music that allowed me to do something else while it played politely in the background. It cascaded from my speakers, spreading into all available space, casting both light and shadows at the same time. That voice, that piano, what in the world is this? I decided to grab my headphones and go for a walk in the park and to listen intently with as few distractions as possible. I had no idea what a rewarding hour awaited me. When I got back to my office, I immediately found Ella's website and sent an email asking if I could have a conversation with her for the podcast. I had no idea where she was based, though I thought it might be somewhere in Scandinavia. More on that later. 
I had no idea if she would even be available or interested. Something told me she was probably already or about to be getting deluged with interview requests from NPR and Pitchfork and who knows who else. My best shot, I figured, was to ask fast. There's no doubt in my mind that this music is going to spread. It is just that good. To my delight, Ella responded within a couple of hours. She had been listening to our podcast, at least since I reached out, and said she would love to talk, so we arranged a socially distant conversation. It wasn't until later that I found out Ella lives right here in Nashville, that she only just graduated from college after studying both at Vanderbilt in her high school years and as a student under Charlie Peacock at Lipscomb, and oh yeah, that I've known her father casually for years. I was absolutely stunned. So on this episode, we are excited to introduce you to an amazing talent and her incredible debut album. But we're also going to dive into the complicated issue of pain and darkness and its relationship to art. Ella has experienced some incredible pain, and this album is, in fact, a sort of dance with that demon. Later, we'll turn the keys to the jukebox over to Ella and allow her to take us on a guided tour through her album. It blends progressive rock, classical piano, folk, and more exotic influences. Pain, faith, darkness, light, violence, beauty. They are primal and elemental. Balancing those elements is a struggle we are all born into, whether we want to admit it and engage in the process or not. One of the most sacred uses of art, I believe, is when it acts as a sort of guide or soundtrack for that journey. With no further ado, friends, please welcome Ella Mine. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the True Tunes podcast. It's really exciting to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Tell me about yourself and a little bit about your background and where you're from. And we'll, we'll get to the record here in a minute. But first, I want to hear about you. Oh, well, I'm from Nashville. I grew up in a songwriting family, sort of. My dad was a songwriter. Uh, he was in Nashville because of Charlie Peacock. We know him. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Oh my goodness, wonderful guy. I grew up hearing songs being written all the time. Um, in the in my home, I would you know fall asleep listening to songs being created, and that was that's still a very special memory that I look back on, and and I'm sure that was very formative to my passions and and my desires and my choices later in life. Piano was my thing. I studied at Vanderbilt's pre-college program in middle and high school, and that was absolutely the coolest thing that I got to do. It was an amazing education and rigorous training and absolutely delightful my time there. I'm so, so grateful for that. And then after that, I got a degree in Charlie Peacock's music program. At Lipscomb? At Lipscomb, yeah. You went to Vanderbilt first? For pre-college, yeah. But then you, you got your actual degree at Lipscomb in the program that Charlie started. Yeah, which was a blast. <laughs> it was so fun. So do you want to tell us who your dad is or should we leave that kind of a mystery? Oh, no, I'll tell you. He, he co-wrote actually two of the songs on Dream War on my record. Um, he's Doug McKelvey. I was super honored to have him. Help me out with a couple tunes on the on the record. Piano is your main instrument, and you studied classical piano. Is it a yeah. is it real rigorous with a lot of theory and a lot of discipline to it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Tell me about kind of the inspiration uh, when you were a kid that caused you to want to do this in the first place. Who were some of the artists and what were some of the songs, things that, that kind of captured your attention and made you sit down and say, okay, I want to really do this at a high level? That's a good question. I think the original inspiration was when I realized that playing music could be an emotional outlet. And it had less to do right at the beginning with hearing something and thinking, I want to do that, and more with like the actual experience that I would have at the piano of healing in some ways, you know, and accessing a greater understanding of my own emotions 
while I like played them out. It's this crazy experience and that was my first, the first time that I kind of recognized that I think was when I realized, okay, I probably want to do this forever regardless of if it becomes a profession or whatever. I know that I want to be skilled enough that I can kind of like work through anything that I need to through this instrument. Also, I just think it's beautiful, you know, you want to be a part of like something that is so gorgeous. And after that, my earliest artist inspirations were, it's crazy. I'm looking through your podcast. You've probably talked to most of the people who like when I was a kid were, were the people who made me think, wow, if, if I could just bring things into the world the way that these people do, I'm like, oh, gosh, Daniel Smith is one of my biggest inspirations for sure. Waterdeep, Lori Chaffer's vocal was the first female vocal that I heard and just, you you use the word when she was on, you use the word muscular and that's it. She's just effortlessly like muscular and strong and s solid and it's just gorgeous and that. Wasn't it weird how surprised she was when I said that? She was like, like no one's ever said that before. I'm like, well, what, Yo. everybody's stupid <laughs> right. because that's obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she was a big one. My probably now my like all time inspirations would be Beck, um, hmm. the Talking Heads, the Water Boys, Lone Justice. Water Boys. All um, right. Oh, the Lone Water Justice. Boys. Did you just say yeah. Lone Justice? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Now I'm, that's because you got a Maria you got a McKee. cool dad too. That's that helps with these things for sure. Yeah. Glenn Hansard, yeah. Brittany Howard is. I'm I'm just more recently been listening to a lot of Brittany Howard and she's yeah. so when you're a kid and you sit down you get to a point on an instrument yeah. where that initial enchantment that moment when you say okay I want to do this and and you're you're swept up it's almost like a mm. crush you know, you're in a relationship <laughs> and you got a crush on somebody. And then you hit that first hill. Most people, I would say, kind of stay there. Some people push through that and get to that next level yeah, of right. proficiency. And then they hit that next hill. <laughs> and, then the, and then they're like, that's going to be too hard to get to that level of real dexterity where, where whatever you think yeah. in your imagination, you just know where that note is and you can play it very few people push past that hill it sounds to me when i'm listening to your stuff that this these years you've been pushing yourself you've pushed through both of those walls and at a pretty young age you're composing stuff that sounds mm. very very advanced did you have this vision for what you wanted to do musically this style this sound for a while or has it just kind of unfolded gradually I'd have to say gradually. The the music that has spoken to me most throughout my life has been so varied. As with most people, I think we find we're like surprised by how much we love all, all different kinds of music. And I, I'm a big believer that in, in the idea that we we write what we love like that we create what we love and whatever you love the most and are listening to the most that's the kind of thing that you're naturally gonna make and so i'm really glad for i'm really glad for all of the for i guess the variety in influence that did i think has has crystallized in ways that I wasn't even aware of as it was happening and then did just sort of naturally form this style and I don't think I could have I don't think I could have planned it or had a vision for it before all of it happened naturally. <laughs> you know? It's a great question. Hard to yeah, hard to answer that. I'm not trying to stump you or anything, but <laughs> that's kinda how these things You talk about in your bio that you went through a really difficult season um, with uh, some illness mm -hmm. and then a 
some bad medication that caused you to feel a, a lot of intense pain and stuff, and that that seems to have shaped a lot of your experience. Was music a part of your journey through that season as well? Did that shift how you perceived music and what might be possible to accomplish with music? 100%. I had a, a severe psychological reaction to a medication that was prescribed for an amplified and chronic pain condition that I developed as a teenager. And real quick on that, I just essentially I've, I feel pain all the time and pain is like stronger and lasts longer than it ought to. So I'm just like my body receives pain signals when it shouldn't. So this medication really affected my brain functioning and just frankly, it was difficult to continue living um, from, for months and even years. And I still feel like I'm in recovery and that was five or six years ago. But there were specific albums that <laughs> I, can, I can sort of point to and say like that kind of helped me survive helped me feel it gets so emotional so quick beck's album morning phase was one of them and then there's a drew holcomb and the neighbors album i think it's called the good light those are two albums that i really like it sounds like an exaggeration but they helped me survive coming out of that experience realizing that music could be that powerful and could be that meaningful even to one person made me really want to try to do the same thing for somebody else. So that's kind of the, the beginning of, of Dream War. Did you intend to write songs around that theme or did you see a theme emerge after you started writing songs, after that experience? That's a great question. I, I believe that one song on the record was written before I had a vision for the whole thing. And then it happened to fit perfectly in. That's the song Wolves I had written maybe a year before the rest of the record. And then once I had an idea for this entire project, it originally was just a show. I wrote it as a show, not as an album. It was a, written as a live performance. And I wanted it to be completely immersive. And you, you get in there and you sit down and it starts and you're in this journey uh, that doesn't let you out until the last note. Um, and so I wrote I wrote it basically in chronological order. It was about like six months of intensive days of writing and other than the one song, all of the songs were written with the big picture in mind. Wow, and Wolves definitely feels like it sits right in there. Right. Do you, do you <laughs> yeah, think that yeah, Wolves, um, with that theme of darkness and terror, almost kind of helped you start the process? Did it, did it have any kind of... Um, impetus to it that that helped get the thing rolling in the right direction or was it just an outlier that happens to have fit yeah I, i'd say the for, the former i i think at that point in my life up until maybe a year ago the only thing that i could go to my instrument and really feel like was worthwhile for me in those moments was this serious working through over the last couple years, I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have done something else really. Um, so I think Wolves, I think what you're saying is true. Like it was naturally what I needed to be writing and then probably did help me get get into like the, the mode or the, the mood of, of what the rest would be. And now I'm working on like sweet songs, <laughs> but I had to do, I like, I had to, really get into the scary and the creepy and the sad and the heavy and um, I had to get into all of that. We'll be right back after a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We're back with the True Tunes podcast. 
As you've already heard, Elamine is an incredibly mature and thoughtful young artist. So, in an unprecedented move on the True Tunes podcast, we are opening up the jukebox so that Ella can queue up Dream War and give us a guided musical and lyrical tour through this challenging project. So tell me a little bit more about this. You said it's a concept record. What is the concept? I noticed some themes. There's some visual metaphors, but tell me about the concept that sparked it and um, take us on the journey through the record. Like what are some of the signposts that mm. will get us through the woods? Ooh, interesting. Um, okay, so we start, we start out with... Um, in the intro just kind of the the whole band works together to make what i hope is an an appealing sort of soundscape where it's just beautiful and kind of interesting and you just kind of want to exist in it and lyrically what's happening is is this kind of looking out over at the world maybe at the ocean um, with the sunset and you're just taking it in and you're like, I want to be here. I want to be fully present in this beautiful world. And um, I want to I want to give myself to the world. I want to, one of the lines there is, is though there are shadows dancing just beneath the waves, I want to jump in there's some unknown there's some mystery maybe some danger but i i want to be there for it oh there's shadows dancing just beneath the waves. i want to jump in jump in Quickly after that, the first uh, bit of devastation is introduced in the song Wolves. Um, and that's kind of like our first experience of something externally being harmful to us or scary, scary or, or harmful. Um, and this realization that we're going to be affected by the darkness outside of us. Following that, 
we move into Dream War, which is, I describe Dream War as kind of a weary white flag. It's this, uh, just like, I don't want this, I don't want this fight. This is way harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and it's taking too much of a toll on me and I can't even remember why I was so enchanted with whatever it is that I was enchanted with. Um, this is painful and I just want it to end. Following that, we have this the introduction of this theme of I don't want to close my eyes, I don't want to dream again, um, which is will will run kind of throughout the whole album. Of it, it was this this dream that I had that I pursued that kind of turned on its head and really bit me, and I don't want to do it again. I'm dead, like, it's the same kind of idea as like, if you get hurt in a relationship and you're like, I'm gonna be closed off. I don't wanna close my eyes. I don't wanna dream again. Following that is Bridge Underwater, which to me is maybe a kind of breath of fresh air at that point, sort of, but it's also sad. It's this like sad reflection and um, on something, we have this bridge that is supposed to be something. There's something that a, a bridge has a purpose, but it's underwater. Some dreams have been flooded there. When the morning cascades in a shimmering For the life of me, open my eyes. Cause I'm caught in a memory of you from a friendlier time. I swore we were on the same shore till the river grew wide. Following that, we have this instrumental called Overtide that I guess I should say all of the tracks lead into each other, so um, it's mostly a, a seamless sort of experience. Um, so in Overtide, I love the effects of details, so like the impacts that sounds have on us and even what tempo can do to us physically. So Overtide, 
um, starts out at the same tempo as Virginia Water, and then it gets rapidly quicker as like these electric guitars are adding layers that are making it feel more intense. But I feel personally like in in the studios we were um, recording this every time that we would work with Overtide, my heart rate would go up as the song like as the song is happening like with the tempo that just helps you feel like okay s something terrible is happening and like i'm being flooded or just overcome with something negative That brings us to Waters Rise, which is probably my favorite track on the record. It was the first single. To me, Waters Rise is, is the point in the album of greatest devastation, where something exterior to yourself is just stronger than you are, and you are the one that bends and breaks to the will of, of this exterior force. It's a really sad song, I think. It's a difficult one to perform for me because it is so emotional to be in this position of, I guess, kind of a, a victim. It's kind of the, the song from the perspective of being a victim to something outside of yourself. And from there, we go to Walls, which I got to feature my husband's band, the Arcadian Wild, on this song, and they're a chamber folk band, and so it's a sort of a different style from most of the album, um, but I love how it functions in the arc of the record, because we've just moved from, okay, side note, I'm, pa I'm painting a piece um, for each song and everything up until walls is a landscape sort of deal where there it's very big um, land structures like natural land structures that are probably mostly dangerous um, and so we're coming from this like huge waterfall and then we get to walls and all of a sudden the perspective is turned and we're looking inward and um, Walls is, in that song, we have this decision that I am just going to take care of myself. I am not going to be vulnerable with anybody else. I'm not going to make the kinds of connections in which I can be hurt. Um, and if I'm just by myself, I'll be fine because I can do it. Um, and that that's which we all that, know is totally true, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's going to go wrong there.
Which is why, yeah, it's followed by Where's She Now, which is this this revelation of I am messed up too. Like I even when it's just me and there's nobody else, I have blood on my hands, I have blood at my feet, I have blood in my vision. I, I it's um this realization of my my own wretchedness sort of. And that that song ends with a like sort of a death toll, um, and moves into sound and fury, which is and it's an adjustment of perspective that I think a lot of people have after like for instance a death of somebody that you know or when some great tragedy happens you kind of zoom back and look at everything and you see your past differently you see you the way that you are fitting into the world differently and you see what the possibilities for the future are differently it's just this huge perspective change and I don't want to get too detailed because this is interpreted so many different ways. Tomorrow and tomorrow creep in from day to day. We are walking shadows, we are players on. From there we go to the song Wheel of Love, which is a question song and was the most difficult for me to write because I knew where I wanted to get and I knew where I was at that point and I had to f figure out how to write this song that moves us from Sound and Fury to sort of coming back around again to the decision to dream and to hope and to love and I remember just banging my head against the wall in a, in a right in the piano room while I was trying to write this song just trying to figure out how do humans do this how why do we go back to the things that we know they're awesome but we know they're gonna hurt us um and so wheel of love just asks those questions Oh, you live your life lonely 
hands so tight that no one can get through in the dark of your eyes in the shadow of your wall you don't hear the cries of the people as they fall from the top of the wheel and i'm crushed by the gear alive in love dreaming and trying believing and buying and hurt by From there, we move to the song Fire, which is, it's a kind of an, an affirmation of saying, I can't count on this world. I can't count on the people around me. I can't count on anything that seems secure. I can't love in this world without being hurt. I can't dream in this world without my hope being hurt. And I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm going to run again, the choruses all run again, replace the fire. It was kind of difficult to, to put this song in the record because I know that some people aren't at that place yet. They're still in just the questioning or in the, this is, I just want to be by myself. But I also wanted to be kind <laughs> to anybody who's sticking through the whole record and to give this moment of what I hope is hope, you know, and just this bold and ridiculous decision to again love or dream and the bridge of that song is contains the lyrics that i think are most important to me in the whole record and that's um i'll lay down in my burning bed though darkened thoughts run through my head i'll focus on the light instead and close my eyes and dream again And then from there we move into an outro that is very similar to the intro but that at this point includes more wisdom of what you're actually getting yourself into and the idea of the shadows under the waves at this point is much more meaningful and the decision to want to be present is just a much more mature decision at that point and takes a lot more guts, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you wanted all that. That's so no, much. That's, that's great. <laughs>
Thanks for allowing us such an intimate glimpse of the artistic process, Ella. Bruce, roll part two of the interview. Has it occurred to you how interesting it is that you went through your journey of pain and isolation and darkness and then wrote about it just in time for everybody else in the world (laughs) to have to go through this really strange journey of pain and isolation and darkness and you just happen to have given us kind of a soundtrack have you have you had any any um thoughts about how these ideas resonate with what's going on with this pandemic and the unrest and all of the decay that we see kind of happening around us it it feels almost like you could have set out to write this record about 2020 um yeah i i think the the music was in my writing i was fueled by my personal experience but i've I knew from the beginning it's not about it's not the album is not about my experience um I could access the right feelings and the right words because of my experience but truly the point of the record is is to look at the question of I want to remember how Drew Miller wrote this question so perfectly he about dream where he said how how can we again love or hope or dream when our first loves have been dashed our first hopes ravaged and our first dreams crushed um that kind of idea of of after like believing in something or or really giving ourselves to something that we think is good and is going to be good and putting ourselves out there whether it's pursuing something that we believe in or believing in something in itself and then are really devastated by having put ourselves out there how can we do it again and I think I think that is a question that everybody is dealing with in some way or another right now especially just that the the crazy human ability to be really hurt and then to get up and do the same thing or find yourself in the same position again is amazing and the question in the album is kind of how how why why do we do that how can we do that should we do that (laughs) you know um so yeah i i totally see what you're saying that i had never thought of it as a soundtrack to to this year but that's that's great You do a lot of visual art as well. You're you're multidisciplinary when it comes to your creativity. Yeah, I I just started oil painting in in January, actually, and I'm loving it. I've been getting to do some pieces for other artists' projects, which has been really cool. And until then, I've I just I just kind of doodle all the time. I know artists hate the word doodle, but that's why I, I feel like I can use it because I genuinely <laughs> have never, I'm not a trained artist at all. I'm interested in the idea of multidisciplinary creativity. Like, does visual art stimulate the way you think musically? For um, sure. Does, it, does <laughs> yeah. it change things? There's also a lot of a lot of literature going on in your music. I mean, anybody under 50 that references Frederick Buechner is somebody I want to hang out with. What What's on your bookshelf? Like, what, what are some of the authors that have been speaking into your mind, and how do you feel that your uh, literary influences have shaped what you're doing with your music? Well, in Dream War, the biggest literary influence is Shakespeare. There are, is a couplet sort of, of songs in the middle of the album that are based on one where she now is is based on Lady Macbeth's last soliloquy before she takes her life and then following that is a song called Sound of Fury which is based on Macbeth's response to hearing the news his tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow speech which is just gorgeously written and I took <laughs> some lines almost directly Sound and Fury. from right. because they're so good yeah Sound and Fury that's the biggest influence in Dream War right now I'm reading a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi which 
so far it's a difficult read but it is so good i love his writing but have you grown up reading like are you a reader in general my education was as a kid was was literature based which i think is awesome but i don't i don't identify as a as a heavy reader through through quarantine i I have been, my husband and I both will read till, we'll <laughs> read for a couple hours in the morning, which is awesome, and I hope we can carry that into our regular lives, yeah. I like that we still think there's a regular life coming, so, <laughs> so somehow this isn't regular, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I hope that's true. In a lot of your supporting literature you refer to this idea of whatever fire you want to support mm-hmm. people in whatever fire they tend and I, I like that's a generous term what what does that mean to you like when you're when you're composing a, a, a phrase like that and you're thinking of your audience and you're you're trying to encourage them now you've taken on on this journey what what does that mean the the fire that they tend like what are what are you hoping that they that this music does for them with that fire okay i hope i don't mix my metaphors here it gets a little confusing in the record because fire is a symbol for in some literature it's a symbol for life it's a symbol for what sustains you it's a symbol for what keeps you going it's um this idea of passion and then in another sense it's a symbol of danger and when it gets out of control you know it's just it's destruction and i think this is the part of what i wrote that is still a little bit mysterious to me and i don't quite understand though i feel that it works i don't quite have a handle on it but the first time that fire comes up in the album is in the title track in in dream war and it's at that point it's sort of an element of fear but i also see (laughs) no this is weird also see the fire is like very connected to the sun and so we even have the idea at the in the very beginning of there's like this flame that you're that you're running towards and that you don't want to lose and that's the sun and then all of a sudden when things have gotten dark or twisted the fire is this like element of fear so there's this like fire that you've wanted to somehow hold and move toward but then that has maybe gotten out of control and has been what actually has been damaging i think what i'm trying to get at is we all have the experience of pursuing something it can even be a gift that you have or a a like a talent that you have um maybe it's relationships or maybe it's something that's very like within yourself and is a talent but um it's hard to to keep giving ourselves to the things that we know aren't going to play out perfectly and my desire for this record if if for anybody who is sweet enough to take the time to to go through the whole thing i hope as a listener that you're encouraged to keep the light ablaze within you and whatever it is that is um feels really meaningful to you to keep going at it keep loving the people around you and keep giving yourself to beliefs and to dreams um that you know are not going to be easy to hold on to Tell me about the, uh, the the foreign language inclusion and what are you accomplishing with the language shifts there? So my my mom's parents uh, came to America from Norway um, after after the Nazi occupation of Norway. They lived oh. they lived through that um, crazy difficult time, and I've always loved 
what what I know of the culture, what what they brought with them of the culture, and whenever I would hear them speak the language, I was just mesmerized by it. it it's this amazing. It's a very strong language. I think that a small a small word will have a huge meaning, and. I see it as a sort of an, an intense language in that way that um, you can have a very like basic uh, short sentence and it means a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. So the idea in in using that in wolves, the verse that's in Norwegian is, is if you translate it, it's very similar to. Um, the previous verse in English, but the words are more intense. <laughs> it's like it's just an amplification, um, or it, it is slightly even bigger or darker or more intense version of the same ideas. And um, but yeah, so in one sense, I love the language, and I I love getting the opportunity to honor my. Um, my family in just by using it in my art um, but I also think that the actual meaning of the words and the impact of the sounds um, is functional in amplifying the the intensity of the song <laughs> that <Yeah>. makes sense <laughs> It seems also that this is very spiritual without putting up any kind of um, signifiers that it is specifically denominational, like this is a religious record for this group of people. It's, it, it's written, it seems to be in a way that can kind of be approachable by anybody. Is that just my imagination or did you kind of um, construct a spirituality to it that is sort of non-denominational? I don't think, well, that's hard to say. I think it, whatever it is that you detect probably just comes straight through me. Um, I think it's hard to, to hide what we really believe, you know? Um, I mean, art is such a, is you have to be honest. And so I'm sure that my spirituality is, uh, can be perceived throughout the record, but it, I myself am, am a Christian, and um, the last thing that I would want is for somebody to think that this isn't for them to listen to, or that or that they won't be able to connect with it if they're not, um, if they don't believe the same things that I do. But I'm sure that my faith is uh, I- impossible to remove <laughs> from my work. I guess I. I was definitely lucky to have personal conversations with people like Charlie Peacock who ah. who are saying, listen, <laughs> you can do this. You absolutely can. You can, you can make really intentional and skillful work and it doesn't have to be you don't have to put it in this other category over here and people will tell you you have to and you don't have to you can make good art for the sake of it being good art and whatever can come out of that and one of my favorite things that i heard after performing this show for the first time was somebody that said it didn't make me feel good and i was like cool okay that's like that's i what i want is for us to get into what doesn't feel good here and then if you i don't know i i remember when i was writing once and having difficulty um with the wheel of love with this kind of turn and perspective and i called my dad and um, was like how can i do like this is so difficult to f- make it feel natural and and he said you have to you have to go through <laughs> the hard work here um it probably has he was like it probably has to be difficult for you in order for what you ultimately arrive at to feel real and natural and not to feel like this artificially imposed 
positive ending <laughs> you know and so i so that's what happened it was i i went through a process to get to that what i would call hard-earned hope at the end Any last words for your new fans, people that are just discovering your music for the first time and they're listening to this thing going, oh my gosh, like they've, they've just kind of wandered into the woods and found this music? Oh man. Oh, I'm so glad. I honestly, honestly, this sounds so, it's hard to know if it sounds genuine or not, but I want to know you, <laughs> you know? I want to hear how if if this music is meaningful to you let me know i it it's my favorite thing in the world to get a message from somebody saying hey i'm i'm going through this and this record helped me feel like i was understood or you know that kind of thing so yeah that and i've it's probably cheesy at this point but i hope i hope that you don't give up on your dreams and on your loves and that you continue to fight with what you've got to, to live well. That's all. <laughs> it's clear that Ella Mine and her extended musical community have an artistic and purposeful vision that they are well-equipped to bring to life. I'm sure you'll join us in watching her already mature creative approach continue to bloom. You've heard a few songs on the weekly Spotify mixtape already, and you'll keep hearing more, but do follow her on your own as well. I can't wait to see this music performed live someday. Thank you, Ella, for joining us today, and welcome to the tribe. As I climb up on my soapbox this time, I'm thinking about the dark. For as long as I can remember, I have had a special love for music and film and art in general, I guess, that deals with darker themes. It goes back, seriously, to when I was really, really young. I can recall being about seven years old and diving deep into Riders on the Storm by The Doors, Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash, and House of the Rising Sun by both The Animals and Dylan, all of which was at least a generation ahead of me. I also loved Hitchcock and Stephen King and Salvador Dali and constantly sought out music that sounded fractured much more than stuff that sounded perfect. The Christian and gospel music I related to the most was almost always coming from the more shadowy end of the church. I've long believed that it was because of the trauma I experienced as a kid. I needed art that would help me deal with the world the way it really was, not the way, in my pain, I wished it was. A big part of coping with that struggle was going to require using my imagination to fight some battles so that I would be ready for them in the real world when the time came. Shiny, happy stuff just didn't resonate with me the same way. It felt like marketing copy. But over time, I've come to realize something else about those darker shades. I mentioned it when I was talking with Ella. There's nothing like a really dark night to make me hunger for the morning. The best stuff, the really true expression of darkness, provokes me to strain for the light, as faint as it may be. I think that's why I get so annoyed when modern storytellers mess with the classics. The whole point of great Gothic art is not to glorify the darkness, it's to make us long for the light. At least that's how I've always felt about it. I think that one of the ways in which faith-based art often lets us down is that it fears the dark. And I think that is an extension of a general discomfort with darkness that permeates the Christian world due to, well, bad theology. We allow our cultural sensitivities, our aesthetic preferences, our comforts to shape the spaces we inhabit and to capture our imaginations much more than we should. I would suggest that if we were to take some time to reflect on the condition of the world we are in, the injustice, the brokenness, the fear, the disease, the physical and spiritual death, instead of inoculating ourselves to it, if we were to sit in it for a while and feel it, and then we were to take some time to meditate on what the gospel story really is, this insurgency of light against darkness, of love against hatred and loneliness, of sacrifice against conquest, and that the key to it all is to lay down our lives for our friends and our enemies. 
we might start to sing some songs and tell some stories and paint some pictures that the people walking to our left and our right would relate to. It seems like that's exactly what Jesus did. In his introduction to the ministry of Jesus, John reminds us that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. It never knew what hit it. I added that last bit. When art gets too dark or too light, it loses the contrast. It's like food that is too sweet or too salty. The most effective stuff lives right there in the tension. It usually takes artists a long time to figure that out. That Ella has already captured that dichotomy on her very first project is truly remarkable. I really believe this is the kind of work that is going to speak to a lot of people. She has allowed her trials to be turned into musical gold, and that doesn't happen without fire. If you are going through a dark time right now, may peace and light be with you. It may just be a candle's worth of light, but I pray that you'll see it. And if you are an artist, don't be afraid to go into those caves and create. There are a lot of us in there with you, waiting for you to give voice to our questions, our fears, and our prayers. And don't rush to turn the floodlights on. Our eyes are adjusting, straining to discern the true light from the shining distractions. Okay, I'm climbing off my soapbox now. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. To all of our new listeners, welcome to the tribe. Please make sure to subscribe to the email list at truetunes.com, like our Facebook page, and follow the Gallery Stage mixtape on Spotify. We also recently launched an Instagram account, so I have one more thing to keep track of. You can find us there at TrueTunes Music. Please leave us good reviews and ratings on Apple and wherever you can, and tell your friends about the show. And if you are interested in becoming a sponsor, drop me a line at TrueTunesMusic at gmail.com. As always, we are ever grateful for the special instrumental mix of Full Circle that Phil Keggy and Rex Paul have provided for our theme song. The True Tunes podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Bruce A. Brown for Gyroscope Productions. The contents of the podcast are protected by U.S. copyright law and are the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions, with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten materials. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions. This program is intended for the private use of our listening audience. Gyroscope Productions can be reached at truetunesmusic at gmail.com or P.O. Box 60401, Nashville, Tennessee, 37206. Until next time, this is JJT saying stay tuned and stay true.